It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche Podcast. We got Rudo and Megan in Studio A, AJ in Studio C, coming to you live at our new time of 1045. Kind of rhymes. Works out okay. Uh, talking Nathan McKinnon today, we'll get into more than just that, but one of the main topics of the day will be Nathan McKinnon. And one, how good he's been, but two, how good can he actually be? Because he is 27 right now in the theoretical prime age for athletes. Let me ask this. If Nathan McKinnon never has another 100-point season, would that be a disappointment? It would because he's capable of another 100-point season. He pulled it out despite missing, I want to say, 11 games this season. Mm -hmm. And on a team that was struggling, I have to believe that moving forward with a little bit more health on the entire team's side, this is a player that will easily reach the 100-point mark again. Okay. Fun to say for a guy who's only hit 100 points once. I know that's like a super technicality. It was so easy for him. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't make it look hard. That's for sure. Uh, It's interesting, right? Because on any given day, Nathan McKinnon could be considered the second best player in the world when it comes to hockey. I don't think anyone would put him ahead of McDavid, but certainly a top three, top five guy, no matter what. And yet, I do think he has more to give. I do think there could be another level to his game. What what is the next step there for McKinnon? Is it literally just stay healthy for the extra 11 games and have a 130-point season, or is there something specific he can turn up a notch? Yeah, I mean, I think staying healthy. I don't. I. I guess if we're if we're asking what areas of his game could he stand around out a little bit, defensively he can get a lot better because uh, his defensive impact kind of it, it 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 goes through extremes where he has really good efforts and then there will be games where his line generates a ton but also gives up a ton and he's at the heart of some of that and. Uh, also, if he could give a shit about working on faceoffs, just like, just, just like, just like a little bit, like, just stop being like so bad at them. If he could just be passable at them, it would feel like, okay, well, that's fine. But in, instead, it just feels like he is like, he's, he's been below 45%. More times than not in his career. Like, he's terrible. Terrible at them. And that's... I don't know. Given that he takes a handful every game, like, please get better at them. But asking him to improve a lot more uh, in, in uh, offensively with the puck, any of that, I, I just don't think that that's fair. He's so, he's so brilliant that... <sighs> I, I I know everybody loves to nitpick his game, you know. Oh, he he pulls it, he comes into the zone, and he pulls up, and you know he looks to pass, or oh, he floats out high too often, or this or that. But the 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 guy had like 
nine goals on January 1st last year or some shit like that, right? Like, he had nothing. And he finished with a 42-goal season. He scored 30 goals in the last three months of the year. It was, like, the guy The guy is brilliant offensively. He is uh, he's on his way to the Hall of Fame. Uh, he is tremendous. And uh, asking asking that part of his game to get much better, I'm not. Just try to repeat last year a few more times, please. I think I've asked this question before. I don't know if I've asked it since the end of this last season. If Nathan McKinnon retired tomorrow, Hall of Fame? Uh, I think that the with some of the with some of the exceptions that they've made in recent years for guys with shorter careers, you know, the Forsberg, Lindros, Pavel Berets, those types of guys. Because if he retired tomorrow, it wouldn't be because he wanted to. It would be he suffered a devastating injury. Um, so I would say I would say yes. I mean, he has two second place finishes for the heart. Um, I'd have to look, but I imagine he probably has a top five finish somewhere else in there too. Uh, he obviously has a Stanley Cup. Uh, Calder Trophy. Uh, he's had one of those those types of careers that, if if the rest of his career got taken from him, I'd have to say sure. I didn't catch the end of that. You'd have to say yes or no. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I I would agree with that sentiment, though. It has been tough. I think existing on a timeline alongside the come up of Matthews and McDavid. He has still achieved so much in his own right. And in thinking about ways he could improve, too, from the last question, we see shades of it in improving defensively in the 2022 Stanley Cup playoff version of McKinnon that I think was really difficult to play against at both ends of the ice and tended to the blue-collar things more. I actually think that's a season where, though the production, because he, he missed some time, seemed to be slower than usual one on a pace level it really wasn't and two i think that was an area of the game the defensive side that he leaned really important in the playoffs fair enough i i think ultimately i would end up with mckinnon in the hall of fame already too um it would help a lot if he could win a heart uh if one of those hearts was a first place instead of a second place uh, I think he'd be in, which I, two more questions there. Is Will McKinnon ever win a heart? I know this is an unanswerable question. Certainly he can, if he has a good year, McDavid has a down year, it probably happens. But do you think he gets one? And two, will McKinnon ever get a 50 goal season? I, I say no and no. No to both? Yeah. Okay. The reason I'm no on the first is because of McDavid and Dreisaitl still existing together. Yeah. I think that makes it really difficult. Those two just set one another up and feast on Edmonton's power play that make that points total at the end of the season so difficult to compete against, especially because of where I think Colorado wants to derive their scoring from. I think they'd like to see it come more 5v5, and that's just going to limit the overall scoring for everyone. Sure. But I'd like to see them absolutely blow up on the power play <laughs> as well. Like, definitely not saying they shouldn't, but that's where I think McKinnon and the Hart conversation continues to be a no for now, bearing, you know, no injuries or anything to a McDavid or Dreisaitl, yeah. which I would never wish upon either of them. Um, and then the other is the 50-goal season, and... I'm going to say yes, just to be contrarian. And it's with the hope that in the same way that following the Vegas loss year, the bounce back season that I think that McKinnon had individually and the season two that he had the sports psychologist, the season after that was the, I want to say 99 point season. And the turnaround that can come from him when he is motivated, motivated by an event in his life is something that I never want to put a ceiling or a cap on. And so after achieving the 100-point 
milestone this last year and then being met with a disappointing first round exit with Seattle. I don't know what Nathan McKinnon's capable of. And I will definitely say 50 goals will, will be within his reach if he wants it to be. So the reason I think 50 goals is something that he's capable of is it, it really just takes one season where he has a bit of a PDO bender for him to get there just because of how high of a volume shooter he's capable of being. Now, you know, some of that's going to depend on his line mates on any given season or anything like that. If he's playing next to Miko, we all know Miko can absolutely shoot the puck out of the roof. Uh, but if he spends a lot of time this year next to someone like Jonathan Druin, who's facilitating a whole lot more, not that Miko doesn't, but Druin nowhere near the goal scorer that Miko is, maybe you see even more volume coming out of McKinnon if he has an Ovechkin-esque year where he puts up 350 shots or something, maybe 50 comes a little bit more in the reality. Also, if he could score more than two goals before the middle of November, that would help uh, in that category. So I do think, I, I don't know if it'll happen, but I'll say sure. I think 50 goals it will happen at least once in McKinnon's career. I think the heart is a tough sell because obviously you do have, as Megan mentioned, the McDavid dry sidle thing still happening. Yeah. Uh, but then you also have the shiny new objects that voters are going to want to, uh, voters are going to want to give love to where uh, Jack Hughes is big breakout. Jack Hughes has a 115 point season and New Jersey wins their division or something, you know, number one in number one out East voters are going to fall about themselves to give it to that guy because he's going to be playing in prime time and they're going to get to see his games all the time. But, um, and then also, as you mentioned, Connor Bedard and not such a small market in Chicago, uh, is on his way. You know, I don't think, I don't think Bedard wins it this year, but he's going, he's going to be involved, uh, in that, that caliber of voting moving forward and there's just only so much space that you can take up at the top the other part of it is that i think with kale mccarr on his team and with kale mccarr getting the respect and rightfully so that that mccarr does people are going to take that away from him yeah and they're going to say oh but with mccarr you know and they're going to split it a little bit I say that, and that obviously hasn't happened in Edmonton, where people act like Leon Dreisaitl is the third most valuable player in the league, and it's like, really, really. <laughs> but I do think I do think that um, McKinnon McCarr are just a probably a lesser version of that duo in in terms of their production and in terms of um, the McKinnon getting heart votes. Sure. McCarr being up for the Norris every year makes it easier for him to get some of those votes, but McKinnon has a hard time. He's got to, he's got to climb over the McDavid's and dry sidles. And then you do have an Austin Matthews sitting out there uh, where if he has a 60 goal year, we've seen it. Hey, that guy is, yep. that guy is not going to hurt for votes while he's certainly while he's playing for the Maple Leafs. So um, I just, I just think that there are so many obstacles there that he would need to have, he would need to have like a 130 point season and Colorado would need to run away with it and just be a, a dominant, dominant kind of season, uh, a leave no doubt. And then would need a down year, you know, McDavid is a bum and only has 105 points that year instead of 140 or whatever. <laughs> so I think, I think it would take, take a perfect storm of events to get him one at this point. Um, as for 50 goals, the reason why I don't think it really matters that much if Jonathan Duran is his line mate or not is because he doesn't score a lot of goals like that. A lot of his goals, uh, a lot of his goals are via transition. They're, they're off of shots that he individually creates for himself. He isn't very reliant on teammates to generate shots. The guy shoots six times per game, you know, like it's, he just where, where he creates his offense is so much of his own doing that I don't I just don't think that the play styles of the guys around him are going to matter all that much. So I don't I don't know that Jonathan Duran is enough to give him the extra eight goals or you know whatever. You could put Adam Oates out there with him and I don't think it would matter. You know I just I just don't think that that's just not how McKinnon scores goals. 
So, uh, I'm for for me, I'm still going to go with a no on that one. He's too low percentage of a shooter, and you and and he just can't get that much higher in terms of volume. They had 366 shots on goal last year. Like last year was the year for it to happen when there was nobody healthy around him, and they he had to play almost 23 minutes a night. You know, like he there's. I, I think with a more balanced offense, some of those numbers actually come down a little bit. So uh, that's where you, know, you look at you look at two years ago with uh, with with the season that Kadri had. Obviously, that was an obscene season from him. But you look at what that meant for McKinnon, where he did not he did not have to play as much. And yeah, he missed he missed games, but his shot generation, some of the some of the things that are normally really high for him were a little bit lower. And I think that that's because it was just a more balanced offense and they needed less from him. So for me, it's no and no, but I'll take I'll take 110 points and 40 goals every year. No, no bones about that. <laughs> I respect that. Yeah, I, and like, if we get to the end of McKinnon's career and he doesn't have a 50-goal season, I don't think anyone would be particularly surprised by that. Uh, and it won't take away from how ridiculously good he is. But it, I, I just think it'll be interesting to see how McKinnon's career ages. Obviously, we've seen him be a great player for half a decade now, more than that even. Uh, and, it, you know, we've seen him have that fire of just... I compare him to Michael Jordan sometimes where he's so dedicated to winning that sometimes it drives his teammates a little bit crazy. Uh, but it, it has the potential to get even better, certainly over the next couple of years. One, just because of his experience, but two, because he's in his physical prime as a, as a hockey player, which is weird to think about as, as physically strong as he already has been throughout his career. So all I'm saying is I'm excited for next season of McKinnon. I'll put it that way, put it that way to you. Uh, on that note, we are brought to you by the Circa Resort and Casino out in Las Vegas. Hey, by the way, Av's kind of doing a rookie tournament out there. So if you want to go check out some rookie Avs, maybe go uh, go stay at Circa. Could be a great place to hang out. They have the world's largest sports book, a three-story stadium-style sports book that takes 10 people to operate. It's got a 78 million pixel screen. You can be watching some real good sports over at that thing. They also have Stadium Swim which is the gigantic television you've probably seen on Twitter that has a, like multiple pools and lanes in front of it. So you can hang out there and watch a bunch of awesome sports too. The resort itself has over 500 rooms with a variety of layouts. So they've got a room that will fit whatever it is that you're looking for. Uh, if you haven't been, you got to go check this place out in Vegas. It's, it's worth going to for whatever reason you might be going there, whether it's the rookie tournament, whether the abs are playing Vegas uh, in season, maybe you're a Broncos fan and they're out there playing the Raiders and you want to go to that <laughs> uh, because the Broncos are good or something. I don't know. Either way, you can go to CircusSports.com. You can download the app. When you book your stay with code DNVR20, you get 20% off. So you get a great deal on top of all of that. Anyway, uh, jump on it. Go check it out. Uh, obviously, Circus Sports bets can only be made while physically located in the state of Colorado. If you're using their app, you must be 21 or older. All rights reserved. Circus Sports Colorado encourages you to gamble responsibly. Uh, and if you have a gambling problem, call or text 1-800-GAMBLER or visit problemgamblingcolorado.org. Uh, all right. Also brought to you by Illegal Pete. Go check all of that out when you get yourself a craving for a burrito because they make the best burritos in town. Their queso is to die for. You haven't been, you got, blah, blah, blah. excuse me. If you haven't been, they've got 11 locations in Colorado. So there's almost certainly one near you, including one just a couple blocks from the DNVR bar. They have happy hour three to 8 PM. So you can come hang out on their patios, have a few drinks while you're at it. And then you can come down to the bar and, and party and watch sports and do all that. We got the Broncos watch party coming up in a couple days for their preseason game that I definitely care about. Uh, I'm not a Broncos fan, can you tell? I'm not really a football fan, to be fair. Uh, anyway, get over there. Go get some illegal pizza. Enjoy the burritos. 
second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. And we've got our weekly top five from Bet365 here. Now, this is a pretty specific list. There are a lot of restraints to it, but we're looking at the top five individual seasons from players currently in the Avs core. A couple of things here. I did not include playoffs in these seasons, but we will talk about that. And obviously it's this core because if we included all of Avs history, it would just be five seasons from Joe Sackick and Peter Forsberg. So that's not necessarily true, but we'll get to that at the top of the list. Uh, Starting with number five, which is Nathan McKinnon's 1819 season. Uh, there's a couple of different factors that I got into here. Uh, but this one was, I believe, his 99 point season, right? Um, yes. Am I remembering yep. correctly? I have, this is my number five as well. Okay. Well, at least I got one right. Not <laughs> <necessarily>. <laughs> uh, look, McKinnon's real big breakout came in 1718 which is also on this list but the the 1819 season was the first 40 goal season for the avs since hayduk scored 50 in 0203 and i think it was really the season that established nathan mckinnon as a true superstar in the nhl after what had been more or less a decade of avalanche not really having that guy they had obviously gone through a handful of iterations of guys they thought might be that guy duchene a perfect example but mac was finally the guy um yeah you could you could say that it was about 17 18 too but 18 19 is the one for me that established it as not just a one-off for him so maybe i'm giving him too much credit for something that's supposed to be an individual season but the 40 goals for me is what got it on this list at five uh, AJ, you're smiling about something over there. Hey, you said it's the 40 goals that did it for you, but the season before he had 39. Yeah, but and that's... it was like all he needed was that one, and well, we could have, we could have, maybe he would have won the heart that year. Well, I, I, that's my my number four is that season. So <laughs> that one did end up higher on the list for me, and and that is more because of the team around him. Not that the team around him was bad. Obviously he still had Miko. He still had Landis Uh, His line was very, very good, but the abs were much more of uh, the meme at the time was that they're a one line team. Right. And while they did have other good players, their success and failure was much, much more reliant on Nathan McKinnon at that time. So as an individual season, I do think that one was a bit more impressive than his 99 point year, but yeah. Do you, do you know who the sixth highest scoring Av on that team was the 17, 18 one, the sixth highest? I doubt it. (laughs) Yeah. So it would have been their like sixth forward. (laughs) Yeah. It was Blake Como with 34 points. Yikes. Jared Bednar security blanket. <laughs> well, and honestly, that was a break glass in case of emergency kind of security no, blanket sure, because yeah. that team was in response to the 48 point season mm-hmm. and there was probably a lot of fear. But I think that's why I respect what it was for Nathan McKinnon specifically. That's the season that he had met with a sports psychologist and then had finally broke through the 50 point mark after hovering around it for the seasons just before it, after what was an incredible rookie year. And then as your number five, though, as the season that follows that 2017-2018 season, the sustained success, like you mentioned, solidi- like solidified or had him settle into that role. I think it was his third year as an alternate captain. You start to see the leadership on the ice through his play. And he had a lot of productivity in the playoffs specifically. And this is perhaps a villain origin story for Nathan McKinnon, where the second round exits start to haunt him (laughs) on a personal level despite 13 points in 12 games in that playoff series that 2018 2019 year so is nathan mckinnon a villain we're talking about origin story you're right i don't know why i made him a villain automatically uh he is in edmonton 
Yeah, it's true. That's Definitely a billion actually, subsidies. You're right. Yeah. And, the, and the season finale was the Western Conference final. <laughs> uh, number three, we move away from McKinnon for a little bit. I have Kale's 21-22 season. Uh, if you include the playoffs, it's without a doubt the best season of any Avalanche defenseman ever. Even without it, I think you can make an argument for that. Uh, Kale's special. <laughs> I'm expecting this to not last as one of his best seasons, or certainly not his best season. I think there's probably more to come from that guy, but he just does things that other people don't. I don't know. We've talked about it plenty. I don't have a ton to say about Kale, but it's it's wild how. As a defenseman, he's even in this conversation, let alone on the list as high as he is. Yeah, and I think it's a, uh, it's also I think a testament to the to what's one and two on this list, um, because that year that year from Makar was so special. It was it, he was on a totally different level, um, and I mean, that was the season that we had people in our chat that were like convinced Kale Makar was scoring forty goals that year, <laughs> which I mean was always overly ambitious but that was like that's that was the possibility of kale mccarr he could he could get you to dream on him like that and he's such a special player that i don't even want to say i don't i i i will guarantee that he doesn't score 40 Ever, in his yeah, career he might do yeah <laughs> i i don't want to discount that it's going to be obscenely difficult for a defenseman to do but I um that that season will always be I mean for a lot of reasons obviously very magical but uh, Makar's performance that year is uh, undoubtedly for me the the best we've ever seen in an Avs uniform from a defenseman which is pretty high praise given the couple of guys who have come through town during Two their careers on that list yeah yeah couple of pretty good players in their time so uh very very special uh all right number two the other guy that's not nathan mckinnon on this list miko rantanen last season 105 points his first 100 point season but more importantly 55 goals the colorado avalanche record for regular season goal scoring and uh, really a season that brought Miko's game to a, a new level, not necessarily because he's going to produce at this rate forever and this is who he is, but he showed the ability when Nathan McKinnon was out this year to be that guy, be the number one, be the true production leader for a hockey team. Uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to let you two talk about it for a minute. Cause I finished my cup of water and have made my classic mistake here. So. <laughs> the fatal mistake. It's, you know, a lot of pressure was put on Miko Rantanen last year, and he answered the call. I think that it was where we really saw Miko Rantanen grow up as a player, not only in the high-level production that he was able to bring to the Avs when they were experiencing team-wide scoring woes, but also the growth in his leadership contributions to the team. It was something we watched unfold in real time, too, because there were learning lessons moments where he regretted how he handled something on ice but he took so much accountability not just personally but for the the team's success and failures along the way and notched 105 points doing it there's a lot of credit due to Miko Rantanen and the breakthrough he had last year and the hopefulness that we have surrounding McKinnon and what kind of year he's capable of coming out with on the heels of how last season ended same is true for Miko Rantanen I'm excited to see how he responds to last season yeah I I think that the uh you you mentioned having the all the pressure that was placed on him because all the injuries around him forced him to play a role that he just it, it's not fair to put on any NHL player um when, when you're looking around and just like, do, do I have any help here? Like, what's going on? Uh, and, and you look at him taking that increased ownership of it, and you can even look at some of the numbers and, and just see how that bore fruit. Because it's not just the 55 goals or the 50 assists. 
but it's it's also that his shot generation it's the first time he's ever broken 300 shots on goal in his career and the Avs needed that from him they had to have that in order for them to win that division they they needed him to be a guy that he had never been before and it wasn't it wasn't like hey it would be nice if he stepped into this role it would be great they had to have it and i think that it's such a testament to who he is as a player that uh, a guy that before last season you could look at and say yeah his career looks like it's on a hall of fame track right now he's a point per game player he's a he's a prolific goal scorer he has a stanley cup under his belt he's got a long career ahead of him a very very prolific career ahead of him you could look at it and say he's already that caliber of player but when his team really needed him to dig deep he dug deeper than we've seen, and he pulled out his very, very best. And that carried over into the postseason where he was very good in that playoff series against Seattle at times. Mm-hmm. Like, he was really, really, really special uh, at times in that series where uh, I just – it's it sucks that this season ended the way that it did and will be remembered as such because it almost feels like – what a waste of the the two years from these these two guys, and especially this this fifty goal season from Miko. You know, he's always been a really high percentage shooter, much higher than your average bear. But even for him, throwing up an eighteen percent shooting season is real high for a guy <laughs> with three hundred shots on goal. That's a hard combination to replicate. Uh, but watching watching him kind of step into that role the way that he did uh, and, and be the engine of the offense uh, offense while there was no, not just no McKinnon, but no, a lot of guys. Uh, It was, it was extremely impressive. And you're, you know, Ruto mentioned McKinnon at 27, you know, 28 going into, going into the heart of his career, uh, heart of his prime right now. So is Miko. And yep. if that means there's more to come from Miko, oh my god. Uh question off the top, I know you guys won't know off the top of your head the ones you're comparing it to necessarily. Is this Miko season and the season we're about to talk about, which I'm assuming you guys will know, top five all times avalanche seasons? Because there's two Joe Sackick seasons, 120, 118 points that are probably pretty untouchable on there. There's Peter Forsberg, who has two seasons, 95, 96, when he scored 116 points, it was, I think. And then his MVP season in uh, 203. And then there's a fifth spot there, which probably goes to our number one, which is Nathan McKinnon from 22-23 as well is 111 points. Uh, it was just shy of 130-point pace, I think, if he played a full 82 games. I, I I will confidently say that McKinnon's season is a top-five all-time avalanche season. Is Miko's? Not for me, but okay. I would probably have it at, like, six. Like, sure. it's not... It's... You're... You're splitting hairs at that point. You're talking about true greatness, the elite of the elite, like the best performances from some all-time great players. So I don't, I don't feel like it's uh, denigrating the season that Miko just had to not have it top five in Avalanche history, um, and to just allow that maybe it's the sixth best. But for me, it's probably not top five. Fair enough, Megan. It's it's hovering around the sixth spot, but perhaps even honorably getting the fifth. And my reason for it being today's NHL and the evolution of today's NHL goaltender making a 50-goal season, I think that much more difficult to do. That deserves some credit in the individual success of Rantanen specifically there. And just... Given the context of the injuries of that season, I think it adds so much more heightened value to what me granted and provided not only in the production, but also the leadership aspect as well. Uh, 
yes, Patrick Waugh, you could definitely make some arguments for chat. But also, this list does not include playoffs, which is where Waugh was at his best. So, going to be tough for him to get on this list when we're not including playoffs. Uh, I think you could probably make a real case for 13-14 Varlamov as well. But, you know, a whole bunch of dudes who didn't win awards. Just like McKinnon and Miko don't win awards. Uh, Lady Bing, though. <laughs> but just to get back to the guy at the top, Nathan McKinnon, he makes up three of the five spots on this list. If there was any doubt about how good he's been and how important he's been to the Colorado avalanche of this generation. I'll, I'll, I'll ask you again. I think you guys have already answered it, but I'll, I'll, let's say the next three years. Does Nathan McKinnon have a better season than 22, 23? If he stays healthy, yes. Okay. And if I'm measuring individual success, I'm still leaning towards yes, but I think this is a team with another cup in them. And so I think I that if he has like a 107-point season and gets a cup, I think that that will trump what the work of what he did last year. And I think that this team has it in them. And I think McKinnon just continues to pull another rabbit out of the hat that – I just still think that's possible for him to have more success than last year. Uh, if he win, I know we didn't include playoffs, but if he wins a heart, that would probably, that would really uh, help. Not a heart, a con Smythe rather. <laughs> a con Smythe would really help. Uh, it was Makar's playoffs that. Well, it, it, getting off topic here, but the 22 run where would you rate Makar's playoff performance in Avs history? Off the top of my head, probably yeah. two or three. So not number one. Uh, I think Sackick's 96 is probably number one. Okay. Uh, and then Waz 2001. Sure. Would also have to be there because they just don't, they just don't win. Uh, they they don't win that cup final against the Devils without Wah. No doubt, uh, being just a just insane in that series. Fair enough. Was just curious on that one uh, where it might fall. Is it's there... really close though? It's really close. Is there anyone that can challenge this list in Colorado right now? And, and like, obviously it would take something pretty extraordinary, but if everything goes right, could a Val Machuch can get on this list? Could a Bo Byram threaten this list as a top five season of this generation of the abs? I think Georgiev. That's, that's a good call. That's a good that call. Makes a case for this list. Now I don't want that to be necessary of Gurigiev to have that type of performance that requires him to be the guy. But if he has to be the guy and he is, that's going to be really compelling for him. And I really love the first year that he had here in Colorado. I'm excited that he is a starting option for them for a few more years to come while they're in this window of McKinnon and Rantanen really hitting a stride, which feels even silly to say because of who they've been before. <laughs> Uh, I think Megan has it with Georgiev. Okay. Um, as as much as I think Byram could be unbelievable, um, Devon Taves' 21-22 season, you know, he had like yeah. 57 points in like 70 games or something and was, a, was arguably a top five defenseman in the NHL and he's not even not a consideration like, yeah yeah and it's like if Bo Byram had a season like that we'd all be falling about the place you know freaking <laughs> yeah. out and losing our shit yeah uh and and it's not even he's not even on the list like he's I don't even know I don't even know where that season would rank so I think it's really 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 hard for another skater to break this list 
uh, because I just don't know that there's another caliber there. And Makar's opportunity and uh, uh, just otherworldly ability is going to cannibalize some of that. It's true. Uh, some of some of the ability for a guy to have a season of that of that caliber, because it's a little tougher for defensemen to do it. But Georgiev, Georgiev, I think absolutely. Uh, yeah, I'm with Megan. I I think Georgiev is the guy that has the best chance to break into that list because we saw last year he was pretty unflappable, pretty con- pretty consistent throughout the entire season, and. If he gets even just a little bit better, <laughs> boy, like you're, <laughs> he gets just a little bit better. He, yeah. uh, he could be one of the top guys around. All right. Well, when the future's as bright as this, you gotta be sure to be wearing your shady rays. Uh, as that was the top five by bet three, six, five, by the way, uh, your shady rays, which you can get from ShadyRays.com. You use the DNVR code. When you check out, you get two pairs or more. You get 50% off your purchase. So go over there, check them out. They got dozens of different styles, all sorts of cool stuff. You can find a pair you like. They've got something for everybody. And the best part is once you get them, you have 30 days to try them out. If you don't like them, if you break them, if you lose them, they'll replace them completely for free for those first 30 days. So you might as well give them a shot. See if you find a pair that's any good. Uh, They've been rated five stars by over 250,000 people. Uh, and they also have a brick and mortar locally at the Park Meadows Mall. So go online to ShadyRays.com or go to their brick and mortar. Use the DNVR code and get yourself some fancy sunglasses because Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen and Kale McCarr are about to set the world on fire. <laughs> so it's going to be bright out here in Colorado. Uh, we are also brought to you by the uh, the folks over at Bacchus and Shanker. Uh, I don't, I can't think of a good way to talk about how a top five season has injured you i don't know how to get there but if you are uh you know driving in colorado you've probably noticed how there's like a ton of traffic and there's way more crazy drivers here now than ever so make sure if something does happen you call bacchus and shanker at 222-2222 today didn't even have to be a car accident if it was like a scooter thing downtown you got injured at work pretty much any situation where you were injured and you were not at fault They've got you covered. You can call that two number. You can go to coloradolaw.net. They'll give you a free consultation no matter what. If they think you have a case, they'll take it on completely for free. You pay nothing until you win your case. So that's uh, anyone can do it. You don't have to have any money saved up to, to go to court on this one. They've got your back. Uh, and they're very good at winning in court. They've won over a billion dollars over the last 25 years of doing this. So... They know what's up over at Bacchus and Shanker. They know how to get it done and get you what you deserve. Again, call the two number. Go to coloradolaw.net with Bacchus and Shanker today. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. (laughs) It's too early in this core's existence to start talking about legacies because they're still very much in their cup window. A lot of this story is still very much still to be written on where things end up. But is this core, or rather, can you already consider this core to be a success with one Stanley Cup? Or are we at a point where they really need to do more? I hate this question so much because the answer is so obviously yes. (laughs) It is so obviously, ridiculously unequivocally without a fucking shadow of a doubt the answer is yes because you want a stanley cup that is the ultimate goal of any era and i don't what what will drive me crazy is when people are like but look at the talent on hand you they should have done this they should have done that i i i'm i'm sad that it exists for those fans but look at the san jose sharks with joe thornton and patrick marlowe Logan Couture and Joe Pavelski and all the cats that they had. All right. That is that they had an unbelievable era. They were extremely successful in the regular season, but they could not get to the finish line because it is very, very, very hard to do. You need the right opponents. You need to play well. You need the injury luck. You need the bounces to go your way. You need everything to happen for you. It is so goddamn hard to win a Stanley Cup that 
if you look at winning just one as any kind of a failure, it's it's obscene. I know that there is a sentiment that the Avs should have done more with their golden era from 95 through 2002, that they, that they ended up having like, I don't know. They 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 played like more postseason hockey than anybody because they just kept making conference finals after conference finals. But they only won two Stanley Cups. No, get out of here with that. Winning one is the validation of everything that they had. They have tried to do. It is without a doubt a successful era. And if you put it, if they win another one, if they win two more. They win three more. They don't win any others. It's still successful. If they win others, then they might get into the, we're going to talk about them the way that we talk about that Blackhawks era or this Penguins with Crosby era. We talk about it, uh, you know, like that avalanche, Red Wings, Devils, like that, like triumvirate that, that dominated the NHL for almost a decade entirely. Like we are gonna t- we're gonna look back at it as among the greatest cores in recent NHL history, and that would be awesome. That would be awesome. But it, anybody out there that feels like only winning one is a failure, it's just it's too much for me. And I for me just miss me with it. I would I I I I, I hate the premise of it. It should already be viewed as a no doubt success. I think in looking at the hardware that's come out of it so far, obviously the Stanley Cup, but on a Kale McCarr level alone, Calder, Smythe, Norris, there are so many successes. And then even on the heels of winning a Stanley Cup, to have McKinnon and Rantanen be the first duo to hit 100 points since 96 in Forsberg and Sackick, we are looking at a comparable level of success, obviously using just a Stanley Cup as a tool of measure will be limiting in how we feel about this era of avalanche hockey. But I think the proof is in everything I just said about individual accomplishments and what they've also been able to do together outside of just winning a Stanley Cup. Even in the injury-riddled season that was last year, it's it's hard not to see what they've been able to turn this 48-point season from many moons ago into today a team whose compete window is wide open for the foreseeable future. Yep. For the record, I agree with you guys, but would Nathan McKinnon consider the rest of this Coors era a success if they never win another cup? Because that guy likes to win. That guy likes to win. We should have him on and ask him. <laughs> I was going to say, let's just ask him. There you go. Next time we see him, ask the question. We'll get such a canned PR response, but we know his heart. (laughs) That wasn't meant to be a heart joke. I feel bad now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He can win one of those and then win another cup. If he won Mm -hmm. a heart, I think he'd be really happy. I, I think that would trump some other things that might not be within reach. I I think if you gave him the choice, he'd take the Conn Smythe. But I do Fair. think he would really like to win the heart. I I remember talking to him the first day of training camp, the year after he lost the heart to Taylor Hall, and uh, I was joking around him with him, and I was like, "Oh, well, now you have to go out and win it." And he scoffed at me because he didn't know I was kidding with him at the time. But like, he like scoffed, and he was like, "Oh, you think it's so easy?" And I was like, well, no, it's obscenely difficult to do. That's the joke. And he was like, oh, yeah. I can't believe people are upset with me that I didn't win it. And it's like, I don't think people are upset with you, man. <laughs> and he was just like, I, I just don't think people understand how hard it is to be the best player in this league. And it was like, yeah, yeah, it's pretty difficult to do. It's a pretty good league. And he definitely, that dude, uh, I think I think he would love to win a heart. Yeah, Megan is definitely right. I think he'd be very excited about it. But if they didn't have some postseason success to back it up, I think he would be like, he'd probably go on stage and be like, "Who cares? What does it matter?" <laughs> you know, he'd get all nihilistic about it. Is Nathan McKinnon 
the Tin Man from The Wizard of Oz. Oh. <laughs> he just needs a heart, all right? <laughs> Who's Dorothy? Miko. <laughs> Miko. <laughs> Uh, Miko might be Toto. Uh, <laughs> That's so funny. I'm trying to think who they. All right, we don't have to go on this tangent. We don't need to do this. This is this is a Friday show. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Friday vibes on that one. Uh, I uh, we're at the end here. Anything else you two want to add on McKinnon on this era on how ridiculously good they actually are? I think Dorothy's obviously Kale. Yeah, you <laughs> no, you're right. I'm you're kidding. right. I'm kidding. I don't know that I'm going to be able to unsee that. <laughs> like in my brain, I think I'm always just going to look at him as Dorothy. It's just such a natural fit. Next, next shirt. Uh, <laughs> woman in pigtails wearing a number eight jersey. Uh, a tin man holding the heart trophy. I don't, we still need to figure out who Scarecrow and the Lion are. We'll work on it for we'll Friday. Work we'll it. work on it. <laughs> See the the Tin Man. The Tin Man has to have a thought bubble where he's like dreaming about the heart trophy. There you go. There yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all coming together. He's cognizant of the heart that he longs for. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We are going to get out of here for the day. A great time to remind you all, you can become a DNBR diehard if you want to support us on the DNBR.com. You get some exclusive content there. You get a free shirt every single year uh, that you're with us. So you can get some of our cool shirt ideas like maybe this one will come to fruition. Or I'm wearing this All Hail Kale shirt right now. You can get our 8-Bit McKinnon. We have like four Miko shirts now. So go pick one of those if you're a Miko fan. Uh, we also will be live from the bar for a show on August 18th, which is not this Friday, but next Friday. So if you're local, come down, come watch the show live at the bar. Come say hi to us. Once it's over, we'll hang out. I'll have a beer with some folks. Should be a fun time. Uh, other than that, we're going to get out of here. We appreciate all y'all and we will talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>